Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was a clip at the very front. Welcome to a Friday podcast, developmental, well, not Friday podcast, I don't even know what day it is. What day is it? It is Wednesday, it feels like a Friday, and I'm cramming this one in here. Well, cramming this in here right before I go on a few days of PTO with my mom and my kids. Well, my mom came here. My kids are hanging out with me. So the story goes. All right. So this morning's tete-a-tete comes from Dylan522P. That would be Dylan522P. Send all angry hate mail to him. Um, all from Twitter. Uh, his idea, his when I solicited it via Twitter, was talk about Intel modems dying, the future of x86 PCs and ARM PCs. So one thing at a time. Uh, if I can get 15 minutes out of this, you know, and not sound like I'm bloviating like a dying buffalo, I will. So, a couple things. Number one, anything I say here is not representative of my employer. It is not based on any kind of inside information. It is only based on the news and reports that I have seen out there on the big bad interwebs. Second thing is, this does not in any way, shape, form, or otherwise endorse... Yeah, any of these companies, right? So let's let's start in on this stuff. Now, uh, yeah, I'm passionate about technology. You should be passionate about technology if you're listening to this. Otherwise, you're passionately going to be bored. Um, passionate boredom is a good thing, especially if you're sitting on a toilet. But, you know, again, welcome to, welcome to my morning. So here is the deal. So yesterday, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, um, Apple and Qualcomm in a surprising announcement decided to bury the hatchet. It was not such a hatchet. It was more like an axe and a double-headed axe at that. I mean, let's face it, folks. There was a supply chain problem with Apple. You know, um, <laughs> uh, admittedly, Qualcomm is the leader in the 5G modem market. Qualcomm's the leader in the mobility modem market anyway, any way you'll slice it, especially with an ARM mobility, right? So looking at integrated chipsets, looking at that kind of stuff. They do a very good job. I mean, look, just looking at the news and seeing that they managed to iterate the X50 Excuse me, 5G modem to the X55. Um, not the X50 modem. They managed to do a second generation. Sorry. Yeah, trying to remember the product name. They managed to iterate a second generation 5G modem in the space and time it took most people to announce their primary one. Now, when it comes down to the Intel product line, I mean, you, you have a problem of diversification. At what point does your company become so broad as to become useless? Let me repeat that again. At what point does your company become so broad as to become useless? You can't be everything to any everyone, right? So, sure, when it was announced that you know Apple was going to be adopting Intel modems, it was a total coup d'état, right? Oh my God, we're going to take out the incumbent. We already knew that Apple likes, for better or for worse, to control their pipeline. I mean, who doesn't? They are the masters of vertically integrated technology, right? We will do it all ourselves. Uh, and we will buy companies that we think are going to allow us to maximize our profit potential. I mean, look at their profit margins. It's ridiculous. That being said, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, an area that they did not have capability in right now, um, 
though undoubtedly in the future they were going to do it, uh, was in the modem space. You know, it takes a certain level of engineering capability and prowess to do it. It's, you know, it was going to take some time. So, you know, the coup d'etat of kicking Qualcomm out, adopting Intel and saying Intel is going to be part of their strategy moving forward uh, and Intel being late to the game. That's the key word there is Intel being late. Now, 5G overall, and you've heard me speak about this before. I've done enough about this um, out in public. 5G is coming. It is not here en masse, right? We are looking at, you know, it's not just a, um, you know, a little relabeling of a logo on your phone. All of a sudden you're at 5GE. All right, come on, AT&T. I'm an AT&T subscriber. I've been so for like 18 effing years, right? But even I am not that dumb. So, when it comes down to it, there's a lot that has to play in the ecosystem. You have to make, you know, do the lineup. You have to do the, you know, obviously the board layouts. You have to do the modem layouts. You have to go through the FCC certification for this stuff as well. And that takes a lot of time. Um, we were privy to a lot of this when I was looking at the red hydrogen one, right? Which I still admire as a, as a camera. Um, maybe not so much impressed by it as a phone, but then again, it's a phone. It also is a phone. It's going to work as a fucking phone. So, don't care. Camera's the best part about it. So when it comes down to that stuff, you know, you have a lot of this, this noise in a lot of this area. And so Intel already being behind eight ball a little bit, um, colloquial reference for being behind. Um, Apple looking at this, got to understand it, probably really judiciously going, well, who am I going to adopt? I can't adopt Huawei because, you know, the U.S. government would shed all over it. Um, MediaTek, meh. Samsung, meh. You know, again, Samsung. <laughs> you know, know thine enemy, right? I'm already buying screens from them for the most part and doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you don't want to be too dependent on the suppliers. And you look at their supplier diversification, it's actually pretty decent, right? So could they backfill this at any given point with these other providers? Absolutely. You always have to have a contingency, contingency plan for that kind of stuff. So all that to be said, um, I think it was it was rather shocking to a lot of folks because, again, plan a record, POR was Intel was going to take over the modem space moving into 2020. Um, however, a multi-year license with Qualcomm makes a shitload of sense. Um, I guarantee Qualcomm had to bite the bullet a little bit and back off on some of their demands. Um, this is not, you know, their stock price obviously went up. It was up by 23%, somebody said you know, in, in the news. I mean, listen... You you want you want a battle. You did not win the war, because you know, and Qualcomm cannot be resting on their laurels too much. You know that Apple will continue their development of their own modem and modem and technologies. Now on the Intel side, you know they say they're backing out a client mobility client. I mean, you still have some strongholds for that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously Intel is still very much a part of the. Um, Radio technology circuit. Obviously, when you look at Wi-Fi, you know their Y6, Wi-Fi six stuff, eight hundred two eleven dot ax or whatever. Um, you know they are still within that space. They're still going to provide stuff there. There is no reason to say that they can't or won't reevaluate their position. It does make sense though if they were pinning all the tails on the donkey and the donkey being Apple and, and the donkey suddenly running away and going and cavorting with a mule, as in Qualcomm. It does make sense that they don't want to do that. So. Um, not shocking. I mean, not overall shocking, but shocking nonetheless. Um, there you go, Dylan. That's almost eight minutes on fucking modems. You never know. Um, the thing I would say 
also within the spaces. I would also look for Samsung, um, Huawei, MediaTek, and any of those other companies that are developing those modems to start applying pressure into the supply chain. I mean, at that point, what do they really have to lose, right? I mean, a lot of what they're attempting to do is trying to co-opt or take over, um, you know, some of these lower-end devices that could possibly be introducing 5G technology, right? Or 5G technology. Technology. 5G radios. Anyway, yeah, the snort is on purpose. So there's your, you know, cursory overview of that. So let's flip over to in the last remaining half of the show. <laughs> Gets a show. That's funny. Um, in the last remaining portion of this, um, let's talk about the future of x86 and ARM PCs. Um, so we all know about the first a couple aborted attempts of ARM on desktop capabilities and stuff like that. Um, ironically, I think it's taken a lot of uh, effort on you know, from Qualcomm and Apple, <laughs> why not? Let's just continue the phrase. Let's just continue the kind of the steps and stones there. Um, it's taken a lot of ener- energy and effort, you know, from, from those two companies actually to kind of make it real for arm to be a true desktop replacement. And the reason why I say that, um, there's always this power slash usability curve, right? Um, until you could have a good ISA that basically said, hey, I can do everything that I can do with the x86 ISA, I can support the same amount of memory, or I can do things in a memory-efficient sort of way, right? Not requiring the same amount of memory. Again, a lot of this has to do with the efficiency of the software that's running on there. Um, You know, do it in such a way that uh, I can execute these applications, I can be super aggressive with my memory management, hint, hint, looking at you, iPhone, Um, and, and really kind of, you know, kind of push the curve along, you know, for the, you know, the 90th percentile of machines that are out there. In other words, consumers who don't give a shit, um, they just want something that works. Actually, you know, ARM makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, slow power, you know, it can be customized infinitely based on the RMIP blocks, right? So you can, you can do two cores up to 32 cores if you want to. I mean, you, we, we all know the way that that goes because we've seen it kind of displayed out there, but you could take something that's commodity like an x50 see there's your x50 reference from qualcomm you know slap that into a box and you know run something that you know for all intents and purposes could from a hardware perspective could do everything that you wanted to do now the trick is software and actually i I, i'm repeating this more and more to folks these days and then and they look at me strangely but you know hardware is not so much the hard part anymore it's software and it's not that software has changed remarkably but it's that it needs to change. And the reason why it needs to change is, you know, we're, you know, like my dropped reference to iPhone. I mean, iPhone's been able to get along with three gigs of memory in the space where all these Android phones have been delivering six, eight, 12, right? 12 gigs of memory in there. And, and it's mostly because the memory manager um, that Apple uses with an iOS is so strong. Again, you can get by, like, I never worry about my iPhone slowing down. I worry about it crashing, but you know that's just because Apple's overall quality is tanked like shit over the years. I'm not a big fan of it. Reception, by the way, on the XS Max is the worst I've ever seen from an iPhone. Um, and I'm saying something, but you know, I'm saying something compared to the reception being on my, you know, my Red Hydrogen One, which is an all aluminum body that has better reception than the iPhone does. I'd like you to think about that one for a second. Um, that's just back in a napkin, you know, kind of signal 
manipulation, whatever. But, you know, like a lot of these things, as they come through, the software is what makes it, you know, function. And by software, I mean the OS, I mean the fundamentals um, of how you operate within that hardware. So I think a lot of the future of the PC depends on that. It depends on streamlining these operations. Um, you know, Windows with the new ARM, Windows S, I think it was. Um, I don't pay attention to it so much, but, um, you know, having the capability of running a just enough kernel, you know, just enough services that gets the efficiency of it done. I mean, when you start to look at the potential for, let's call it consumer containers, right? Where now I can roll out applications in the sense that, you know, I can deliver to you, Sally, stay at home, you know, um, a recipe application that's all self-contained. It just runs on whatever it needs to run on. You know, like it's all self-contained. There's not any of these kind of extra dependencies on, you know, DLLs or, you know, registry entries or choose your poison, right? Um, that type of software delivery method, right, where it's pre-wrapped, you know, um, I mean, look at it in the same way that we look at it from a, from a phone perspective. I mean, that's why we have all these app stores now on <laughs> on our desktops. But we need to come up with a way of kind of creating those containers a little bit more efficiently. You do that, ARM wins, hands down. Because you don't need the kind of efficacy. Uh, you don't need the, well, you already have the efficacy there with ARM. You got good cost per, com- you know, cost per compute dollar. You got good cost per watt, you know, right, in terms of overall efficiency. You know, what I'm draining from the wall. You get these machines that could potentially, or these client PCs that potentially could last tens of hours, not just 10 hours. Um, you know, and you start to look at an ecosystem that can be broken down very, very granularly. Again, the beauty of the ARM I, you know, IP and licensing model is that you build it modularly, right? It's not an all-in, you know. Um, I, you know, AMD is about halfway there with their, with their semi-custom stuff, which I, you know, I'm a big fan of AMD. No bones about it. But, you know, the fact that they do this stuff for Sony and they do this, you know, stuff for, for Microsoft, you know, that's their semi-custom you know, semi-custom stuff. They are, you know, they're setting themselves up to be very, very similar to ARM, except that they're doing it from the monolithic x86 core perspective, right? So a lot of this glue, but, you know, AMD is becoming more ARM-like and ARM is becoming more AMD-like or, you know, becoming more front and center. So I see, the, you know, these blendings of things together. Um, x86 overall, x86, I mean, uh, do we logically believe that there'll be an x86-128 um, ISA extension at some point? Yeah, probably. Um, maybe in the quantum era, <laughs> but we're going to be dealing with a whole different level of technology when it comes to quantum computing, right? So, like, I think longevity of x86 is always going to be there. I think you're going to start to see ARM blending back. I mean, the dark horse was always when people were announcing that the MacBook Pro would be adopting, you know, A series silicon from from their mobility devices because single core performance, for all intents and purposes, is there. Multi core performance could be gotten you know, could be gotten there. Let's phrase that in better English. Could get there as well. Um, and so, you know, in perspective, yeah, no, ARM has nothing to lose. And you start to look at their investments in, you know, Ampere and and you start to look at what ARM <clears throat> is doing behind the scenes and trying to kind of extend out their capabilities, extend out their reach, um, funding more, doing more. Uh, remember, AMD is also a full ARM uh, IP and uh, configuration licensee as well. So there's room for all this stuff to kind of coexist. So I think, you know, overall, 
you know, Intel and AMD will continue to push the x86 ISA. It makes, you know, makes no sense to diverge from that now. However, I think both are and should be exploring the realms of other types of IP or other types of ISAs, you know, that are out there, ARM, sci-fi, sci-5, sorry, or RISC-5, right? Um, You know, start to look at alternative methods of compute and, um, layouts right because it's just going to make a lot more sense again not everybody needs a kick-ass gaming machine not everybody needs that kind of horsepower um uh, i could pretty much prognosticate that manufacturers would be really really super cool with something that was cheap and easy to implement and provided all the necessary hooks and balances for their client machines and didn't cost you know their soul in the back end right you know to these larger corporations, right? So there is a possibility that obviously the trick with arm is they're an IP only company, right? So you have to find your Silicon bedfellow in order to do that. And, um, up until this point, you know, Intel's not going to budge on that. I mean, they had rock chip, right? But, eh. um, and AMD is not going to, at this point in state of direction, it's probably not going to be doing anything in that space either. Um, so that's all to be said. That's, 16 17 minutes of that so dylan i hope you're happy i did this for you man totally for you um but in all seriousness folks enjoy the rest of your week i'm out for a bit um yeah it's been a crazy week but looking forward to dell technologies world i gotta rough that in there this is the one part where i'm speaking on behalf of my employer dell technologies world is coming up it's april 29th 27, 20, 20, yeah, 29th through May 2nd uh, in Las Vegas. You're going to see a lot of really cool shit. And I'm just going to plug my own session there. I am going to be giving a talk along with a wonderful, wonderful man named Brian Reeves uh, about bias in artificial intelligence. And so by all means, if you're in town, if it's something that you want to come see, dude, we're here for you, man. We'd love to love to have you uh, and enjoy the show. All right, folks, I'm out.